Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thursday, November 5th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga. Uh, Hoinsey's off for the rest of this week. Uh, we're joined by our special guest from his palatial compound in the suburbs of Columbus, Ohio. Uh, welcome in Cleveland.com columnist Doug Lamarice. Doug, always a pleasure to have you uh, on the podcast. Uh, what's, uh, what's it going? You're bouncing back and forth between Browns and, and Ohio State right now. How's uh how are things covering the, uh, the football camps? I don't think I'm bouncing. I don't feel very bouncy right now. I feel exhausted and I'm smothered by football, but in a good way. It's just weird, you know, in August, we thought there was going to be no Big Ten football. So the Browns are on their bye week uh, this week and the Ohio State Buckeyes are also on their bye week because mm-hmm. they're playing Rutgers on Saturday. And that in the Big Ten is a bye. Don't, th- don't they have like six more buys after that as well uh, until they get to Michigan or something? Something yeah. to marry. I'm not, so, I'm not so sure Michigan this year isn't a bye with yeah. the way they lost to Michigan State the other day. So uh, they, Ohio State, a good one over Penn State, and I have no idea. We might be looking at a bunch of 40-point games uh, the next month and a half for the Buckeyes. Well, it makes, makes getting the game stories in, uh, in early uh, kind of easy when you, when you can start writing before the fourth quarter starts. Uh, we, we certainly like that. And uh, when we're covering the Indians and it's a blowout game, uh, the Indians, when they're up or down by a lot of runs, uh, was the case a couple of times this year. Uh, thanks to Jose Ramirez, and uh, and because of that, because of the the offense that he put together, uh, particularly in the month of September, uh, ten home runs, three sixty two average, I think a, a ten twenty four OPS. Uh, Jose Ramirez in line tonight to to win his third Silver Slugger award. Uh, he won in twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen. Uh, because of the uh, the early struggles in twenty nineteen, I think he got sort of overlooked there. Uh, but he did come on in 2019 with a, a strong second half. Uh, but this year, he just really sort of picked up that Indians offense and went with it, uh, carried it really into the playoffs. Uh, your impressions of Jose Ramirez uh, at the plate this year and, and just what he did to sort of cement his position as one of the best hitting third baseman in all of baseball. I, I think that's – I think cement is the right word, right? That it's not that it's not that he wasn't good before – but he was good, and then he'd have a stretch, you know, in different seasons, a couple months here or there where he wasn't that good. And, you know, lots of hitters are streaky, but I, I, I'm not sure you knew exactly. He's really good. I mean, he's really good, but I don't know. Did you know 100% for sure? I, I think it's cemented. 
right? I mean, this is one of those like, okay, well, now you go into 2021. It's like, well, what do you think of Jose Ramirez? It's like, I don't know. He's one of the five best hitters in the American League. I mean, what do you expect? Just like, what do you think of Shane Bieber? I I don't know. He's he's as good as anybody. And what we're going to get into, I know later in the podcast, I mean, you think about now, Jose Ramirez, whatever happens with the Indians, Jose Ramirez is going to be the heart of the lineup in 2021, right? Mm -hmm. Right. That's very reassuring. And in 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 what's going to be an off season of uncertainty in a lot of ways, particularly around one guy, how reassuring is it that Jose Ramirez is now in his prime, officially, no doubt about it, cemented. And that is a very valuable thing, I think, for the franchise and the fan base going into this offseason. Well, it, it, he, he puts himself in position. I, I know every year uh, the guy who winds up as like the cover boy for the media guide uh, is, is the guy. Like, the guy whose uh, face is, is on the front page of the media guide is sort of the guy who you know he's not going to get traded. He's, he's the guy that they're relying on having him in the, the middle of the lineup every day. Uh, and that's uh, – Jose Ramirez has positioned himself right now to be – you know, the media, media guide cover boy for next year. And that, that's the sort of thing that I look at and I see, uh, you know, he's, he's the guy. He's the man. He, on, on offense and, and defense, it's Jose Ramirez. On the pitching staff, it's Shane Bieber. Those, those should be the split cover of the, 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 the media guide next year. Uh, Jose Ramirez for $9 million next year is the biggest bargain in baseball. I, I, one, of the, one of the biggest bargains in baseball. You signed him to a ridiculously team-friendly contract uh, three years ago, and you bought up all of his, uh, you know, free agency and all the the arbitration years, and you you basically got a steal there. And again, not to listen. The guy finished third in the MVP voting in two straight years, but he wasn't quite. He wasn't that in 2019, and so 2020. You know, this, this shortened year, it's, it's so crushing, I think, for the Indians in a lot of ways. And I know you, you know, guys talked about it all year and, and what this team was maybe positioned to do. And all we've done for years is talk about the window that they have and that they only got 60 games in this window and then the playoffs were over before you knew it. But you did the, the establishing Jose Ramirez, sort of like wiping away any doubt. Listen, and, and I remember when I, when I covered baseball, 20 years ago with Terry Francona and guys always, I mean, you look always, always said back then, you look at the back of their baseball card. And I know there are lots of guys you'll go through a guy's career, like almost a borderline hall of fame career of guys for sometimes. And you'll find like a bad year. Mm -hmm. Like guys do have that. So if it turns out that 2019 is just one of those years where it's like, well, Jose Ramirez just had one of those years, but everything around it, the two years before it impeccable. And now maybe 2020 and the stretch of everything after it will all be impeccable. And it was a speed bump and not a trend. And that may be the most valuable thing that came out of this shortened 2020 season for Cleveland. And, and you know what, even to look back at that 2019 season and, and you see, uh, I think it was what 255 batting average, an 806 OPS. There are guys who would cut off a finger to have an 806 OPS for a season, hit 23 home runs and 83 RBIs. Oh, yeah, and by the way, he missed a month because he, he broke a, uh, the hammy bone in his hand, had surgery and came back and, and hit two home runs in, his, in his, one of his games back uh, at the end of September. Uh, you know, he, he really didn't have, by Major League average standards, a bad season at all. He had a bad season by Jose Ramirez standards that he had put up the, la- the previous three years. But, but really, you know, he, 
he's going to give you those same numbers again next year. I think they, they recognize that. Terry Francona recognizes that. And, and that's why he trusts him and, and left him in uh, the, the number three hole in the, the batting order throughout the 2019 season as long as he did. I mean, and, and this all, you know, we're going to get into this. If you had to lose one guy off this team right now, if you could keep one of the two, who would you keep? And maybe you guys have been talking about this all year, and I don't know. Who would you keep? We All we talk about is Francisco Lindor as a face of the franchise, a face of baseball kind of guy. But right now, if you gave Indians fans the option, you can't keep both. Forget about, like, whatever the money is, we have enough money to keep one. And it's your choice, fan of the Indians who loves baseball and wants the Indians to win. Who do you keep? Well, I, I'll tell you, without the, the contract, without the security of having Ramirez locked up for, uh, you know, this year and then uh, two option years, the, the following two years, uh, obviously, I think more fans would probably pick Lindor. They would want to keep Lindor around. He plays a, the premium position. He, he, he's, he's got more accolades than, than Ramirez, but really does he? He's, Ramirez, the, the, it's weird. Frankie's the four-time All-Star and the face of baseball, but Jose is the, the, the three-time finalist or MVP finalist. I just it, – it, it, the things don't, you know, mat, match in my brain. I, it's, it's tough to comprehend. And Ramirez, the three of the last four years, has an OPS over 900. Lindor has never had an OPS over 900 in his career. Doesn't mean Lindor's not a great offensive player. And I'm not trying to do like that thing where it's like, oh, now you're trashing Lindor on his way out. I'm, <laughs> I'm not doing it at all. It's just a reminder for fans of you have, you have two superstars in, in their prime right now. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of franchises that when you had two superstars in your prime, you might not wind up keeping both of them for real. But I think it – at the very least, it's a discussion, right? Even if you would say maybe a lot of fans would still land on Lindor defensively, position premium, that kind of thing. I think it's a discussion. And whenever, if you get upset or sad about losing a guy, you got another guy who's still going to be here who's like right on that same level. Right. And it, it just sort of makes you appreciate and look back at 2017 and 2018 and what they did when they were at their best pushing each other in that lineup, you know, Ramirez would go out and hit a home run. Lindor would get up to bat, you know, two innings later and, and hit one out and, and they'd, they'd sort of wink at each other. They knew that they knew that they were doing that. They knew that they were pushing each other and, and Tito loved it. Tito said they fed off of each other in that regard. So uh, it, it just sort of makes you appreciate what you had there uh, maybe a little more uh, when, when those two were doing their thing together. Uh, now that, it's apparent that they're going to be doing it uh, separately next season as uh, Bob Nightingale from USA Today uh, reports that he checked in with a few uh, of managers and front offices around the league uh, that the Indians are indeed going to put Lindor or have already put Lindor on the trading block and want to get, get it done before the season. Uh, be interesting to look at some possible landing points for him, where, where destinations where he could be uh, to open this uh, this 2021 season coming up, uh, starting off with the the obvious one, I think that everybody is talking about right now because of uh, you know what they have to offer in terms of the Indians' needs, and because they're going to be one of the only teams really looking to uh, go out and spend a lot is the Mets, uh, recently acquired and approved by Steve Cohn, uh, the uh, billionaire hedge fund guy in New York. Uh, the Mets, a new owner, maybe wants to put a stamp on the uh, on the franchise by bringing in a, a marquee player. 
could Lindor wind up with the Mets and, and what would that look like? I feel like a franchise like the Mets with a guy like Lindor, you would overpay in prospects. You would overpay in the deal. You would overpay on the contract when you sign him because I think a guy like Lindor for a huge market team that could use a boost, he, he, he's, uh, he, he's worth 120% on the dollar or whatever that, that you're getting all the stuff we talked about. You're getting offense, you're getting defense, you're getting charisma, you're getting magnetism, you're getting people want to come out and see this guy. People want to wear his Jersey. He's going to be on the billboard in times square when you're trying to compete for with the Yankees for attention in the, in a market like that. And of course, I mean, New York, nothing's like New York, but for a huge market team that is looking for a splash that also has substance to it. Cause sometimes those big market teams, when they're desperate, they do dumb stuff mm -hmm. and they, they, they go get, like popular guys who are on the downside of their career or something. You're getting a popular superstar entering his prime who has done it on the field is a two-way player and people love the guy and whatever he is now, he will make a leap. I think in the, in the consciousness of baseball, if he goes to a bigger market. And so I just think, I don't think there's a price too high after which, which the Indians should prey upon. <laughs> Because if it's like, well, we want these eight prospects, and the Mets say, well, we don't want to give eight prospects. We want to give six. And they say, okay, live without him. It's kind of like the Clippers, Paul George kind of thing, mm -hmm. right? The Clippers thought we are taking a shot in a moment. We got to get Paul George in order to get Kawhi. How many picks does Oklahoma City want? They want 11 picks. Fine. We got to take this shot. I think Lindor in New York or a market like that, Maybe can the Indians make that kind of deal where you just ask for more and more and more and more, and the other team says yes. And and to their credit, to uh, Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff's credit, they have they've waited because there were opportunities to trade Lindor last off season at the beginning of this. You know, any time they could have traded him uh, previously the last two seasons, knowing that they were going to reach this point. Uh, and they've said all along, hey, if we have to go into the season and play out the year with Lindor as our, our shortstop, they're going to do that. Now it looks like they're not going to do that. But to their credit, they haven't taken uh, sort of a, a pennies on the dollar deal. Uh, and again, that, you know, possibly it, it looks, they don't want to come off of the Corey Kluber trade and look like they're doing the same thing, just dumping salary and getting any warm body in return, which is sort of what the, the narrative is after the Corey Kluber trade. Uh, the Mets would be able to offer, uh, you know, a major league shortstop, uh, somebody like uh, Ahmed Rosario. Uh, they also have prospects, uh, a guy like Ronnie Mercurio. Uh, he's their number one prospect, but he's only a double-A shortstop. He's not going to help you now. Uh, this is a team that has outfield depth as well with Brandon Nimmo, uh, J.D. Davis, who can play both ways. Uh, you know, and Dominic Smith could be a first base uh, po possibility if, you know, because they're, they're losing uh, Carlos Santana. The Mets look more and more like if, if they are willing to, to give up a lot, they could get Lindor, uh, you know, and, and maybe even put together a package with another pitcher as well. And I think the one thing in this is they don't ha the Indians don't have to get a shortstop to replace Lindor in this. You've got to fill some lineup holes. You've got to, you've got to replace his offense. You've got to fill in. So yeah, if, get some get some corner outfielders, get a first baseman, get get some guys that are going to make a difference offensively. 
and you know what? Then then go get a shortstop somewhere else if you have to. But I don't think I mean, wasn't there a time like I don't know how long ago, like Gavin Lux or whatever, the Dodgers mm-hmm. young shortstop was the guy's like, Oh, well, you trade this shortstop for a young shortstop. You, you certainly can't get pigeonholed into like, well, if you don't have a young shortstop for us, then we can't do the deal. That would be lovely, but you have you have ways to do that. You can go sign a veteran or fill that hole another way. But I think you've got to try to come out of this with our we lost Francisco Lindor and we think it's possible our lineup got better. Mm-hmm. I think that's the goal. Prospects are great. Shortstop are not as great. Pitching, great. I get it. Multiple guys, great. But can you get two bats, two young bats that are ready to do something right now that are any, any better than most of what you got and, and might, are, are like borderline all-star potential kind of guys? That's asking a lot. But listen, corner outfielders in general are easier to find than shortstops. So the Mets, again, they've got some extra stuff. I, I just think – Let's let's see the Indians come out of this with more offensive oomph, even losing the guy like Lindor. Well, and that brings me to the Angels because the Angels are a team that can offer uh, a corner outfielder who's set up to be a superstar. Uh, the guy's name is Joe Adele, and he's he's one of the, the highest rated prospects in all of baseball. He's only 22 years old, just made his major league debut this past season, uh, but this is a guy who looks like you know the next coming of Ken Griffey Jr. He's, he hits for power, he hits for average, and he, he runs like a gazelle in the outfield. Uh, that's a guy that if you're, you're willing, if you're able to get a, a team to part with a top prospect like that for, you know, one year assured of Lindor, because that's, that's all you're getting uh, if, you, if you're trading for him, is you're only guaranteed, you're, you're guaranteed to have to pay him $20 million because that's what he's going to make in his third-year arbitration, and there's no guarantee that you're going to sign him. That's why the Indians might have to attach uh, a, a, a high-level prospect or uh, you know something to, to sort of sweeten that deal in case Lindor says, look, I'll play this season with you, but then after that, I got to test the market. I got to see if I can get that $310 million you know, deal. And it's, it might just be where Lindor wants to play. If he wants to play in Miami, if he wants to go to Boston, right, those are possibilities because those are places that he's – been rumored to have been interested in in the past. Uh, you know, you're, you're really possibly only getting him for a one-year rental. And again, the right deal, not to keep crossing sports, but like what the Raptors did with Kawhi. It's like, take your mm-hmm. shot at the dude, see how good you can be with him, and then whether or not you can keep him, there's still value in the year. So I, again, the, the Angels aren't going to necessarily give away their best prospect for Francisco Lindor if they think they have no shot to resign him. But do you want to maximize? Do you want to sign Mike Trout for the rest of his life but never actually take a shot at anything? Or do you want to, hey, let's bring in a guy, another superstar. Let's take a maximization year with Mike Trout while Trout's still in the middle of his prime and see what happens. I mean, are they tired of treading water? They're the best player in baseball. They've never done anything with him. They've never done anything. Take your shot for a year with Lindor. So, again, I just think – Maybe, as you said, the Indians waited long enough to actually kind of be in a position of strength. And if you can get one or two big market teams to both be interested and seize the moment a little bit. Listen, man, I don't know if COVID makes people reevaluate stuff, but it's like, what are you waiting for? I don't know. Do you want to try to be good? Go try to be good. Go get a superstar for a year and then see what happens. But, you know, you you bring up COVID. That also, you know, takes into – you got to also take into account – the impact that this is going to have, not just on next year and, and uh, you know, upcoming free agents, but when Lindor hits that market, are there going to be a lot of $300 million deals out there 
it's, it's unknown. Wouldn't it be more beneficial for Francisco Lindor to get traded to the Angels, the Dodgers, the Mets, something in that regard, and sign an extension instead of his you know, final year of arbitration? Wouldn't it be better for him to, to strike now and get his big deal as soon as he gets traded rather than wait for free agency and the uncertainty of 2022? If we go through the 2021 season and everybody's finances go in the toilet, Francisco Lindor is not going to have the, the, the ability to sign a $300 million contract on the other side of that. That's certainly, if I were the Indians, that's what I'd be telling the other teams who are trying to trade for him. Listen, man, you better, well, if you trade for this guy now, you offer him the extension, you get him at a good rate for you. He's interested because of the uncertainty. I really think this is a good trade for you. Joe, call, <laughs> call Antonetti. Give him your theory. There are, there is the, the inner car salesman in all of us that, uh, you know, sort of tries to, to see that three steps ahead. Uh, I, I brought up the Dodgers. Obviously, the Dodgers win the World Series this year. Uh, they've got all the momentum, but they also have Corey Seager, who was the World Series MVP. And, you know, he, he's certainly, if he wanted to stay in L.A., he, did the, he maximized his opportunity at, in, in the Fall Classic. Yeah, I think we might cross the Dodgers off the list. They got over the hump, and yeah, they got a shortstop. <laughs> that, that might be – that made so much more sense while they were chasing. Like, if, if you're the Dodgers and you fell short again, it's like, oh, my gosh, maybe Lindor can get us over the hump, but they're over the hump. Well, uh, you know, that, again, we mentioned the Mets earlier. They, have, they wear – I believe they have home uniforms that, that feature pinstripes. I would – I think I would speak for a lot of Indians fans who would rather see – Lindor, if he were going to a team that wears pinstripes, go to the Mets rather than the other option, which would be the Yankees. Uh, right now, the Yankees are the, uh, the they're not, they're in a position right now, nobody's talking about them in this offseason. Everybody's talking about the Mets. Everybody's talking about the change of ownership over there. But you, you just got a feeling that this is a, a juggernaut team that you, they're, they're going to address their pitching issues. You could see Trevor Bauer and Corey Kluber on there in their uh, starting rotation next year. That's, that's, a, that's a possibility, not likely. But uh, could, the, could the Yankees go ahead and just sign up the entire Indians uh, 2017 core uh, and, and bring them back and, and try for a World Series next year? Are you, are you trying to get people to turn the podcast off? Exactly. That's exactly what, what I'm doing. I'm, what? I'm setting up scenarios right now. Uh, this is something that I've done the entire offseason. I – I predicted Clevenger being traded before the season started. I said, you'd probably be looking at Roberto Perez as well. So uh, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I said, don't expect to see uh, Clevenger, Santana, and Roberto Perez back. So I, I missed on that one. But, uh, yeah, no, that's, it, I'm speaking truth uh, right now. This is my truth, Doug. If the Yankees get Kluber, Bauer, and Lindor and win the World Series, would, would that count as a third of a title for, for Cleveland baseball? Exactly. Joe that's Noga's exactly. column. Yeah. That's, uh, how happy are you for uh, Michael Brantley or for, uh, you know, Trevor Bauer or Corey Kluber? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, there are so many possibilities. Here, here's the one thing that I know for certain. The Indians' payroll is going to be minuscule next year because this is a franchise that – has no prospects of making any money whatsoever, especially if there aren't fans in the stands to start the season, which is another possibility. Uh, you're going to have a whole team full of guys on 
making, you know, major league minimum and, you know, under control, the pre-arbitration control. Uh, so guys are going to have to have to outperform, you know, what they're making. It's, it's that simple. The classic example is, is Shane Bieber. You, you understand you you've still got him next year making the major league minimum. You don't have to offer him any more than that. You, you would be foolish not to try and at least approach the subject, but again, do you have the money to pay Shane Bieber what he's worth? And right now, He's he's the most valuable pitcher in baseball. Why don't they just trade him to the Yankees? Joe, do you want people to listen? Uh, the Indians roster next year will be entirely made up of people making the minimum salary while all their good players are in New York. But when it happens, then you can look back on this podcast and say, oh, look, Joe said that back in November. I know, I know. I, I mean, it's very, but again, it's an opportunity, right? I mean, they have some good young guys. You have faith. Right. I mean, you have faith in this front office, which is if you're not going to spend money. I mean, there's no worse feeling in sports to have ownership that won't spend money and a front office you don't believe in. Because if you have a bad front office, but you have an owner who just chucks money around, then you can make up for all your mistakes. Who cares if you blew money on a guy and it didn't work out? So that's the saving grace. It's been the saving grace of this franchise for this entire run of success. So um, it's hard to be good forever. And I think there's a balance they can strike. I mean, it's hard. It's like, it's one of those where it's like, it feels like it would make sense if the window almost shut a little bit. It's like, mm -hmm. listen, it's like a rebuild. It's all young guys. But it's like, oh, by the way, they might have the best pitcher in the American League and they have one of the three best hitters in the American League. So how do you slam a window shut on that? That's crazy. Like what, how, now all we, we've talked about, you sort of want to maximize the Lindor, the Lindor window. Well, now you want to maximize the Ramirez Bieber window. You got to try right. to win with these guys. So they're almost too good to just rebuild because they have two absolute franchise cornerstones at very unbelievably reasonable prices. So then what do you do? Well, I guess you just have faith in the front office to figure it out. They, they've done too good of a job of staying competitive is what you're saying. Way to go, Indians. <laughs> You've won for eight straight seasons. What's wrong with you? Why would you do that? I yeah, mean, I do. It's, it's the same thing with the Cavs, though, when you do it. I think, I think there is a, a point where you have to be willing to go for it at times and accept that there is going to be a fall off. I mean, nobody's good forever. Right. So there will be a time when the Indians had a rough patch ahead. You still believe in the front office and you, you look back and you have the fond memories of some great seasons that didn't quite get where you wanted to go, but you had a lot of fun on the way, and now you got to pay for it a little bit. I mean, everybody, if you're not the Yankees or you're not the Dodgers, you've got to pay for your runs. You do, almost all the time. And I just think that's okay. But, by the way, you got Jose Ramirez and Shane Bieber. That's a pretty good place for any franchise to start. Yeah, and, and they're fun to watch, even in the dog days, even in the grinding days, you know, in, in a season that's not going anywhere, so – uh, yeah, uh, I, I guess, uh, it, it is, it is fun to watch. It is fun to listen to, uh, look forward to, to, you know, seeing those guys as long as the Indians keep them together. Yeah. Uh, uh, Doug, I, I appreciate you jumping in. Uh, you know, we're, we're about out of time for this, uh, this episode, but, uh, you know, Hoynes will be back next week and I'll, I'll, bounce, I'll bounce some of these ideas off that, that you've shared with me off of Hoynes and see what he says. I'm uh, sure they're wrong. I'm sure all my – don't bounce him off, Hoinsy. He'll be like, what is Doug talking about? None of that made <laughs> sense. Just keep this between us. All right. Well, between us, it was a pleasure having you again. Thanks for joining the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast, and we'll talk to you again next time. 